1: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
2: Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. It is delightful to be back in New York, although it was not what I expected, and it came for a fairly unfortunate reason. We had a sweep in the Western Conference Finals. It looked like we might have another one in the East, and then... Here we go!
1: Only one place to start. Now they trail three to one with Game Five on Thursday back in
3: Boston. As they win Game Four, we played good basketball all season long, exception for this last three or four games. But we gotta just keep going. It's time my turn. We gotta get ready for the next.
2: That's our one place to start. The call on ESPN Radio, the shocker last night. Too many, but not me. The Celtics beating the Heat in Miami, forcing a game five. And in my opinion, they are just getting underway. Delighted you were here. Delighted we are back. Delighted my buddy, Dan Graziano, is good enough to hang out. And all of you who watch Get Up and and watch ESPN in general, you're well aware of Dan for his outstanding insight into pro football and his almost miraculous ability to correctly (laughs) answer trivia questions. What you may not know is that he also covered baseball for a very long time, including you covered maybe the most famous baseball postseason series in its own way of all time. Yeah. Which was the American League Championship Series of 2004. Yeah, it was an
0: incredible two-year saga, right? Yankees, Red Sox, and the ALCS, the uh, 3 and 0-4, and the Red Sox blow the big lead in Game 7 and 3 and then they're down three games to none. The Boston team down three games to none, and it's never, ever been done. No one's ever come back uh, from that in a baseball playoff series, and then the Boston Red Sox actually do pull it off and knock the Yankees out. So, yeah, I was watching last night thinking, well, I wouldn't, if I'm Miami, I wouldn't let them off the mat because I, I believed at the time that that Boston Red Sox team was better than that Yankees team. That just, the Yankees had been living in their heads for 80 years. Right. Right. So uh, it was an incredible thing to witness that watch the momentum build. Red Sox won two miracle games at home to cut it to three, two. And then they all of a sudden had the pitching edge. That's the big difference to me. Like in baseball, you can control things game to game with your starting pitcher. In basketball, I don't know what the equivalent of that actually is that would, that would help
2: the I Celtics I can tell you here. what I think the equivalent of it actually is. Basketball is, is unlike baseball to me in the following way, and I'm going to use maybe a ridiculous analogy, but if you toss a coin 10 times, the chances of you getting heads, all 10 of them, are, are infinitesimal. I don't know what they are, but they're, they're some infinitesimal number. But if you toss it, the first nine all come up heads. Your chances of the 10th one being heads are still 50-50. They are not in any way diminished by the fact that the previous nine came up heads. So the Celtics are a better team than the Miami Heat. That is not in any way meant to diminish what the Heat are. They're an incredible story. They've made an incredible run. They will be very worthy NBA finalists if they win one of the next three games. But what I'm saying is every time those two teams take the floor, the Celtics should win. They are the better team and they should win. And the fact that they need to win four in a row, if they should win three in a row, what I'm saying is the chances don't diminish to me that they win another one. They sh- I, I, what, what surprises me is how we got to love three in the first place. Sure. That has been much more to me about the Celtics and their inability to be at their best than it has been about anything that has come from the other side. Maybe. I mean, look,
0: Miami did beat the one seed Bucks in five games in mm-hmm. the first round, right? And they took out the Knicks in six. It's not like Miami has been nothing. Miami is a team that obviously flipped the switch when the postseason, actually after the postseason started, they lost their first play in a game. So... I don't think it's, it's, it's irrelevant what, what Miami is doing, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them win tomorrow night in Boston. But I think your point is correct, and I think what it depends on is what is the message coming from your leadership? What's the message coming from your coach and the leaders on your team about your mission? Because I remember those Red Sox teams, and they were saying, look, Terry Francona is sitting there before game four. We don't have to win four games tonight. We have to win one game tonight. And then if we do that, then we have to win one game tomorrow. Mm -hmm. If they, if that mentality is what the Celtics are employing here, then they're positioned to do something historic. Yes. at some point, someone's going to do it, right? Like it's not—we're not, not going to go through the, all the, the, to the end of basketball with no one ever pulling this off. At some point, it will happen. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's—I think it's very interesting that they won that game last night.
2: Grady, with you, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Here's what I will say further to that, and I think I made this analogy on TV this morning with us. I'm old enough to remember when no 16 seed ever beat a one seed. And we used to, in the tournament, we'd always say, oh, that'll never happen. And then sure enough, it did. But and that, then it happened again this year.
0: That's even more ridiculous because, like, the 16 seed is a team that's only there because it won its conference tournament right. in, a, in a conference that can't compete with the one the, the one seed plays. And so that that's a far more significant upset than the Boston Celtics, who for
2: stretches of this NBA season were the best team in the league, mm-hmm. winning four games in a row. They've that's won four correct. games in a row plenty of times. The difference between the so so the first three games, but we, we were we lived in a moment in time two days ago where both series were three games to and we're doing our pregame show before game four. And the topic is, which of the two nothing teams that are down has a better chance mm. of making this a series? And everyone but me said the Lakers. And the reason everyone said the Lakers is, well, they've been in every game. Right. They've been close. They're fighting. They've got LeBron. But what I thought they were all missing is, they're the lesser team in right. their series. They're losing to a better team. They play the Celtics better- are not. I, look, no disrespect to the people I'm about to name, but at some point, Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson are yeah. Gabe Vincent and at Duncan Robinson. <laughs> and the other team has a, a, an array of stars they have the, Miami has an elite coach. Yes. They have a player in Jimmy Butler who rises to the occasion like nobody's business. But the Celtics are better than them, including at that position. Jason Tatum is supposed to be better than Jimmy Butler. Jason Tatum was a first-team All-NBA player this year. Yeah. So, to me, the Celtics are just a better team. They should win. The surprise was that they were losing three games to none. I will not consider it a Stunning development if this series winds up in a Game 7. No, I think,
0: yeah, the point is, right, the Lakers had played really well three times and still lost all three games. That's right. Whereas the Celtics had played lousy for three games, and if they start playing well, who knows, it could look a lot different. Look, I mean, it's a lot of fun to talk about, right? Miami's still probably going to win one of these last three games. Right. But it's not 100%. and, And to your point, if the Celtics pull this off, by the way... They, they completely, 180 degrees changed the way everyone talks about them. For sure. Because they were the team that, that was letting you down, that didn't seem to have enough heart to pull it off. All of a sudden, now they've come, they come back against Philly. In the previous round, mm-hmm. now they, if they pull this off, they come back. You're talking about maybe one of the tougher teams you've seen. Imagine that in a span of a week, you go from like, well, this team is is gutless and should get rid of everybody to, oh man, they're tough, they're resilient, they're they you know they keep getting off the mat. Well, that that's so usually we'll more
2: the the um, the way the sport that you cover daily works, which is football. Every yes. game in football is a referendum on everything yes. because they all mean so much and they come so seldom, you know, meaning once a week. Um, here it should be a little bit less of that, but in the playoffs the games are magnified, mm-hmm. and, and that's the reality of it. So, look, the, the game that I found completely inexplicable was Game Three, with w- with what they, with everything that was at stake in that game, for them to come out and and just look like they were sleepwalking. I, it's easy to understand. It looked like they were ready to get knocked out, that there was some real something really wrong in the chemistry there. Yeah. Whether it was the coach and the coaching. And Woj came on a countdown with us. For those of you who didn't see it, it uh, would have been the night of game four. So whatever that was, Monday night. <clears throat> and he said one of the factors in this, he, he said it very carefully. He said, I'm not telling you this is why the Celtics are losing. But one thing that's going on is that this team has never fully accepted the way the organization handled Ime Yudoka, which is to say, and maybe because of, maybe there are laws and other reasons that govern this, but the players felt as though they were never given any more explanation than the public was of why the team felt it had to handle the Yudoka situation Mm. the way that it did. And look, I don't know, you don't know, and we will never know because of those laws exactly what went on there. But what Woj is telling us is that there was a feeling of, if you were going to fire him, fire him. But if not, then just to sort of keep it in the the, the the level of limbo that it was in for the period of time that it was just felt like a very weird way of going about it. They had already lost their primary assistant because he had gotten the head coaching job in Utah and right. did a terrific job there this year. And so you took a guy who was basically the last, you know, towards the end of your bench. Yeah. And you elevate him to head coach, and, and now you wake up and say, well, why is Eric Spolstra coaching yes. <laughs> circles around him? Because he's, you know, a 34-year-old guy in his first go-around, and he's going up against the guy in Spolstra, who might be as good as there is in the entire sport. Sure. So I think the Celtics are going to come back and win. Quickly, because I have you here. Is there, is there anything in football I should know? I have been so up to my neck It's slow, in the basketball man. It's, I mean, they,
0: they, they passed a bunch of new rules and stuff at right. the owners' meeting did we this week. What do we think of them? Uh, the kickoff
2: rules? Why kickoff is everyone yelling rule, about
0: Well, that? The, the special teams coaches and a bunch of players have had these conference calls the last couple of weeks kind of trying to organize support against the rule because they just, you know, the, the, every time the league tries to eliminate the kickoff or, or, or take another step toward that, the special teams coaches get upset. Uh, the players and the coaches that are against this rule change believe it'll have unintended consequences that'll have a negative effect on player safety, whereas the league is saying it's doing it to help enhance player safety, a lot more concussions on kickoff plays than any other play. So the idea is it will reduce this. But yes, the players and the coaches are up in arms about it, but it did pass for this year uh, on a trial basis, which is how they do these things. If you fair catch a kickoff inside the 25, it starts at the 25, kind of like the college rule, right? right. Like if that ball goes, right, so... Uh, yeah, that one and the
2: emergency That's to keep third. them from popping kicks up, right? Like guys were trying well, to purposely right. kick the ball off short, like to the three-yard line. Right. Yeah. So
0: that was the thing, right? They they passed a rule a few years ago that the, the touchback on a kickoff was the 25 instead of the 20. Right. And the response by the kicking teams was to train their kickers to, you know, kill the ball kicking inside shorter. the five like you right. do on punts to try and force a return because you're probably not getting to the 25. So now this is, well, you offer the opportunity to fair catch. The league doesn't. I, I believe the league does not want kickoff plays because mm-hmm. they feel like they're they're incredibly unsafe and their concussion numbers would drop significantly if they eliminated the kickoff plays. But they don't want to go. I don't think whole hog and do it all at once. So this is how it. This is sort of how it happens. And then the Thursday night thing. Thursday night flex. Uh, this is another one that had people fired up that you can you can now flex up to two games a year from you know, from Sunday or Monday, whenever it is, to Thursday night. You need 28 days notice, at least, and there are some restrictions on how much you can do it. Um, no team can play more than one Thursday night road game in a year. So if you've right. already played a Thursday night road game, and you're the road team in the in the game, they want to flex to Thursday, they, they can't, can't do flex, it. it. Uh, so it it sounds like it's going to be extremely difficult to do it, but... It also feels like a nod toward a a new TV partner, a new broadcast partner in Amazon to say, hey, you know, if you get stuck with a lousy game in week 17, there might be a
2: way to... You yeah, know, it's a, it did feel like they had some really bad games as the season went yeah. on. Um, and so this will alleviate that. But I, the, the players hate the Thursday nights. They do. And so th- what this means but, is that some teams will play twice and some teams will play not at all on Thursday night. That's right?
0: already true because they, they passed a rule that not every team has to play on Thursday nights. So I, I, think, I think there are multiple teams that play on multiple Thursday when did nights they pass this that? year. What, what, at did the I owners meeting that? in March. So that would, okay. that, that's a new the, thing, yeah.
2: So they just, but my point is, as of the last time there was a football season going yeah. on, every team played right. on it once.
0: But now you could have, if there's a flex, you could theoretically have a team that plays on, you know, three times on Thursday night in the course of a year. But again, no more than one of those can be a road game. I don't know. I, I know, like, John Mara spoke out against this on behalf of the fans. Like, you right. buy tickets, you make plans to go to a game. Now right. you find out all of a sudden it's on Thursday night instead of Sunday afternoon. That's rotten. And he's right. But I don't know if the players are as upset about this. With a month's notice... Right. With 28 days notice, I think it, it, you can be flexible on the team's end. It is rough on the fans. Right, for sure Fair enough.
2: It's well done. Uh, and it's good of you to stick around, Danny. Yeah, Thank you. My good pleasure. To see you good to be back again. Basketball will be the central uh, focus of most of the conversation today. You know what makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination? It's because they offer free battery testing and charging and reliable replacement batteries starting at just seventy nine ninety nine. And they've always got your battery solution. Get in the zone with AutoZone. My top five NBA takes around the corner
1: Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
2: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Greeny, the podcast.
2: All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Good to be back. I wasn't expecting to be here this week, but obviously the circumstances changed around a little bit. We have hashtag Bubba and hashtag. Who else is in in there today? Bubba, I have not heard from anybody else.
3: Uh, it's Cam. Did you forget my Cam, name? Cam, are
2: you there? No, I didn't forget your name. I just didn't know if you were sitting there as I'm well. Here. I am I here. I realized I didn't want to say hello, hashtag Cam, and then all of a sudden have... Bubba, because he never he doesn't give me this information ahead of time. Yeah, say Cam's not here today. In fact, I've been gone so long. Have him say, you know, Cam no longer works on the show. <laughs> all <laughs> of those things seemed as though they were things that could happen. Could now, have been we, possible. We
3: still got Cam. Don't
2: worry. We got Cam. We got Bubba. We're ready to go. And we got Ian, who is uh, stage managing today. And he just told me, you ready for this? Because he he is my little gambling guru. He likes to make all these crazy bets. Like he's one of these guys who will bet, like you know. 40 cents on something and, and then you know trying to win a trillion dollars on some crazy thing so he told me there was a, a, a gambler who bet on the heat and the panthers to win their respective championships the florida panthers obviously the stanley cup and the miami heat to win the nba championship at a time when both of those sounded like they were ridiculous propositions and what were the odds what did he get on it first of all when was the bet made the bet was made April fourteenth. <laughs> he bet twenty five dollars on it, and he's going to win if it happens. He's going to win one hundred eight thousand dollars. <laughs> See, those are oh my god, those are the kind of bet th- those those are fun. Like like that's look, gambling is becoming a very interesting thing because now with the widespread legalization of it, people talk about it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm interested in it and all of that, and I recognize the importance of it. I always feel like it's important to caution this stuff. The most important thing I can tell you is never, ever, 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 under any circumstances, never bet money you cannot easily afford to lose. Never. If you are ever betting money that it will genuinely impact you if you lose it, stop. Stop. Outside of that, if you were doing it for entertainment purposes or whatever it is, then I do it, you do it, and we all enjoy it. Those are bets I never make, but that's kind of fun. Like, find these, like, little bets. When I did the gambling show on Plus, which is called Better Days, we had some stories like that of this guy who bet – I want to say he bet something like five cents. I I honestly think it was like a nickel – that he bet on this thing where he had to pick every game in the NCAA tournament right in the first round or some round, and he was within one game of getting it right, and, and it was literally a 25-cent bet that would have turned into something like $250,000. So that, that's the, those are the kinds of stories that I find amusing. All right, to the takes, Greenies Takes. Here we go, I've been covering basketball for the last few weeks, and I emerged with my top five NBA takes. Coming out of both the Western, now the completed Western Conference Finals and the continued Eastern Conference Finals. Here we go. Number five. The Lakers have nothing to be ashamed of. They lost to a better team. They fought like hell. Because their jerseys say Lakers on them and because they have LeBron James on them and I suppose to some lesser degree Anthony Davis, people are going to act like they're getting swept as some embarrassment. Nothing of the kind is true. The Lakers fought like hell. They were in every game. At the end of the day, they just lost to a much better team. The Nuggets have been the best team in the Western Conference since Christmas. They have the best player in the world. That's what Nikola Jokic is. He's the best basketball player in the world. He does more things that contribute to a team winning than any other player in the world right now. That includes Giannis. That includes any other name you might, Embiid, who was the MVP. And I voted for MVP. I don't regret the vote. But the best player in the world is Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray is a legit NBA star. They have enough depth. They are long. They are big. They have um, exceptional shooting, which I think is what it takes in the NBA today. They have a good and experienced coach. They've been the best team in the West all year long. They deserve to be in the final. The Lakers could have won any of those four games. They didn't get blown out in any of them. I thought they had a good showing. I I thought they could walk out of that series, while disappointed, of course, and frustrated, they could walk out with their heads held high because I I thought that they played well and have nothing to be ashamed of coming out of that series. Number four. And I would add to that, LeBron is definitely not retiring. Definitely not. Long ago, I learned the old adage, Never listen to what a player says about his future in the frustrated moments after a defeat that ends his season. That's the worst time to ask a player. It's a natural question to ask, don't get me wrong. But it is the worst time to get an answer that has any perspective in it from a guy like LeBron, who's 38 years old, who went out there and and gave his team 31 points in the first half, and his the rest of his team couldn't pick him up enough to win a single game in this series. So he's feeling that frustration. He, has got a, he had a foot injury at the end of February that should have ended his season. Absolutely should have ended his season. And in the case of practically every other player in the league would have. I think LeBron James was understandably frustrated, but he went out on his shield. Man, if the way you perceive that series is as a disappointment for LeBron, I, I believe one of two things. Bubba, you tell me if I'm overstating this. And I'm sure there were people who did it. I, I, I don't. I did not. You know, I was traveling yesterday and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure there were people who were taking shots at LeBron because his team got swept. In my opinion, if you put the onus for the way this thing went on LeBron James, then you either a have no idea what you're talking about, or b just have an agenda where you feel it suits your purposes to have this kind of take on LeBron. No one in their right mind could look at that series and say LeBron is to be discredited, diminished, or criticized in any way for his performance. That's what I say. Do you think that's going too far, Bubba? No, I, I,
0: I would probably agree with you. I, and I, I can't think off the top of my head when we were talking about it yesterday and, and
2: the other shows I heard. I don't think any reasonable person was having a, a different opinion either. I, I, I just can't see how you could do it. LeBron James, they, they should have carried him out of that building literally on a shield. They should have constructed a shield to carry him from the court to the locker room in the frustrated final moments of what turned out to be the end of his 20th NBA season. Greeny with my top five takes Number three. on the NBA playoffs. So do the Lakers need Kyrie Irving? That's the question. And I was sitting... Our seats were um, the media seats that, that I was sitting in. I was sitting with Malika and Ramona Shelburne, and we were right behind where Kyrie Irving was sitting. And a buzz just went around the room when Kyrie came in, and he is sitting right there on the court. And it should be pointed out, those are not seats you go on StubHub to get, right? Those are seats that were given to him by the team. So that certainly felt like a message of some kind. Now, is, would Kyrie Irving be a good answer for what ails the Lakers right now? Here's what I'll say. If you just added Kyrie Irving to this team, and I don't know exactly how that would work. If you just put him on this team, I think they would have won the series. Because what he does is exactly what they were missing. They needed someone else who could score. And Kyrie Irving can create offense and score as well as anyone, practically anyone in the league. So if you just added Kyrie Irving to this team, would they have won that series? I think the answer is yes, because they were right there in every single one of the games. Now, adding Kyrie Irving is obviously adding a lot more than just what he does for you um, in big moments on the floor. There are a lot of dynamics at play. And for whatever it's worth, he went to Boston and it ended in disaster. He went to Brooklyn and it ended in disaster. He went to Dallas, and I guess it's not over, but it was an unadulterated disaster what happened there. So there's a buyer beware element with Kyrie that I totally get. But would I be surprised if the Lakers make a real push? It certainly if LeBron pushes hard for Kyrie, I would not be surprised at all.
1: Number 2.
2: Number 2 on my list of number one takes coming out of the league is that that the Nuggets are a testament to staying the course, to what sports used to be. There was a time, and I'll use basketball as an example, in the 80s, the the Celtics were the preeminent team in the Eastern Conference, and it felt like they won it every year with the exception of the one year that, that the Sixers got Moses Malone and they broke through and won a championship. But then the Detroit Pistons were the team that were up-and-coming, and they were knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and just couldn't quite get past the Celtics. And then they finally did, and it was their turn, and they won. And then the Bulls were the team that were knocking on that door. They were knocking on the door, they knocking on the door, and they couldn't quite get past the Pistons. And then they finally did, and it was their turn, and they won. And that's kind of what the Nuggets are. No one team has dominated the West in recent years, but the Nuggets are a team that have been really good that have been knocking on the door. Maybe had it not been for the injury to Jamal Murray, they would have beaten it down before now, You know, b- broken that door down. But now they finally have it. Here they are. It's a testament to not breaking up a group quickly, to not trying to go out and get yourself another superstar or anything like that. They stayed the course with what they have. They added good pieces. They have a healthy Michael Porter. That guy never misses. Michael Porter Jr. never misses a three. Aaron Gordon played out of his mind in Game 4 on Monday night. Nicole Jokic is the best player in the league. And Jamal Murray is the best player no one talks about in the league. So the Nuggets are that good. They were the best team in the West. They are richly deserving of playing for a championship. And that is what they're going to do. Number one, And then my number one take is, I think the Celtics are the team they're going to play. I really do. And I wish I had been here yesterday to tell you that because you aren't going to believe me when I tell you that I was telling everyone that would listen to me, and mostly this was in airports and other places yesterday, Bubba, that the Celtics were going to come back and win this series, or at least that they had a real chance to do it. And I will continue to use the tossing a coin analogy because it was what came to my mind. Can the Celtics win four straight against Miami? It sounds unlikely, but in every game, they have a better than 50-50 chance of winning because they just are a better team. So taking each game unto itself, they should win every one of them. And I used this when I was talking to Graziano a minute ago, and I don't, I'm not very good at doing this, so I don't know what the odds are. But let's just take the toss of a coin, all right? So, Bubba, do you, have a, do you have a coin on you these days? Who the heck has any change anymore? Do you have a coin?
0: I do not, no. Okay,
2: does anyone have a coin? <laughs> does anyone within the sound of my voice who, who, who can be on the air here with us have a coin? I should have thought of this before, but isn't this funny? No one has a coin. I think Christine might be coming. Ten in years ago, everyone would have had a coin. Now no one has a coin. Now if you pay for something in a store with, with with cash and they offer you change, you're like, oh, please just keep it. The last thing in the world I want is some change Christine in my pocket. Christine is coming pocket. with a coin. All right. Christine Lisi brought us a coin. Thank you. So what kind of coin is it? We have a quarter. We have a quarter. Okay. So I wanna see if we can we can we can flip it and get heads four times in a row. What are the chances of getting heads four times in a row? Bubba's got one. Thank you, Lee. Go ahead. Toss a coin, Bubba, and let's see what it comes up. Toss it and tell us what it comes up. Heads. It's heads. That's one. One out of one. Now.
3: That's what Boston did.
2: So so the chances are so let's just let's just state for the record. The chances of two in a row coming up heads are not 50-50. But the chances of this next one coming up are 50-50. So go ahead and toss this one. There is a 50-50 chance of this one being heads, regardless of what the previous one was. What did this one come up? Heads. Okay. Now, what are the chances that a third straight one would come up heads? If I had said before we started, the chances of getting three heads in a row. I don't know what they would be. They'd be less than 33%. I'm very bad at this sort of thing. So they would be they would be whatever they would be. But the chances of this coming up heads are exactly 50/50. Baba flip it again. What did it come up? Heads. Okay. Come on. This could not be working out better. So if before this exercise began I said to you, the chances of of flipping that coin and getting heads four times in a row, they would have been, who knows what the answer to that is.
3: I believe it's 12.5%. I believe you divide 50 by two each time.
2: I don't think that's right, but okay. Okay. (laughs) You may be right, but I don't think so. But you might be right. It feels like the chances of, of getting it four times in a row would be less than that. But let's even say it is that. I don't even I don't know if it's that, but let's say it's that.
3: I think that's three. I think it would be like six ish percent would be four times in a row. So let's see if Bubs can do it. Okay,
2: let's see. So 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 this is gonna illustrate my points. It already does, but go ahead, Bubba, flip it one more time. If this comes up heads, the Celtics are definitely winning. Tails. Okay. Fair enough. So, but what does that all tell us? A, that Bubba wasn't making it up for the purposes of the bit, which I didn't know one way or the other because I can't see the coin. But if he had been, I would have been in favor of it anyway. But B, every single game that is played, the Celtics should win. Their chances of in every single one of these games are better than 50-50 because they're the better team. So the fact that they have to win four in a row, to me, is less significant than the fact that they should win one game four straight times. Why are they playing so badly? When I watched the game the other night, all I could think as I'm watching game three is what the hell is going on here? The Celtics are a better team than the Heat. This is not diminishing Miami. I give them all the credit in the world. Jimmy Butler. Freaking awesome. Eric Spolstra, best coach in the sport. Bam Adebayo, excellent player. All these other guys playing out of their minds. Martin and Duncan Robinson and, and, and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and all these guys. But the Celtics are better than them. And they haven't played like it. But if they do, they should win each individual game, which means winning it four in a row. Flipping a coin heads four times in a row shouldn't sound as impossible as we have made it. So I think they're going to do it. I genuinely think they're going to do it.
0: The, the prob- We looked it up and it says there's there's only one possible outcome that gives heads, that four heads, namely when each flip results in a head, the probability is therefore 1 16th. One sixteenth,
2: 1 Which so is 6%. 6%. So there you go. There's a 6% chance. And what I'm telling you is Even yesterday, there was much better than a 6% chance that they were going to come back and win this series. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E.
1: Greenie, the podcast.
2: This is Greenie presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. But do you believe the Celtics are going to come back and win this series? Uh, I kind of do. I'm kind of with you, and I, I think they are going to do it. I wonder what kind of odds. Cam, do you believe the Celtics are going to come back and win this series?
3: I do not. I think they'll lose in game six.
2: Six. Mm. The one in Miami, even though the Celtics have been better on the road than at home.
3: Yeah, I just think uh, I'm not buying into the coin theory, I guess. I like the coin theory. I Mm. do, too. I just think it's not going to pan out.
2: What odds could we have gotten on the Celtics when they were down 3-0, particularly right after game three, which was such an embarrassment? Right. Do do we have some way of looking that up retroactively? Like, what odds could – because I bet you right now – what odds could you get right now on the Celtics to win the series? Wherever it is that we look up such things, what are the odds right now the action on the Celtics winning this series? Because I believe they're going to. I'm not going to bet on it. For the record, I want to make it clear. I do not bet on the sports that I cover here. I don't think it's appropriate. Um, I I, I feel like it would – even though it's perfectly legal, and I, and I don't think the people I work for would have a problem with it. I don't know that one way or the other. I haven't asked. Um, it does not feel appropriate to me. Like, I make predictions and all that stuff for fun. but It, it would not feel right for me as someone who has to sit here in the morning and, and analyze these games on TV and radio. Uh, so I will not bet this, but I, I would have made an interesting bet. What, what, what odds could you get right now?
3: The Celtics are plus 220 to win the series right now. So that that's not that much, right? Correct. Boy, that seems like it's I mean. Close. That, so Vegas is telling me I'm right. My guess is that if the Celtics win this next game, they will be the favorites. They'll be the favorite. The series, yeah. Well, I mean, look. I, 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 I mean,
2: I don't. They were the like, favorite when they were down to you know o two. Yeah. Still, so. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but look, the world is reacting. Look, we can only react to what we see. The Celtics have proven themselves to be maddeningly inconsistent. But the one thing that I think kind of stands up is that they've been at their best when their backs are against the wall. No one knows better than Cam, the Philly fan, the Philadelphia fan for the purposes of this discussion, that the Sixers took that 3-2 lead in Boston. The Celtics got booed out of their own building. They're going back to Philly with their season on the line. And in a fourth quarter where everything seemed to be going against them, and Jason Tatum was playing maybe the worst game of his life, he suddenly got red hot and they won and never looked back. And then he scored 51 points and they blew the Sixers out in game seven. And here they are. A year ago, they were trailing three games to two and on the road against the MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo, a former MVP at that point. And they went on the road and won that game behind a monster performance from Tatum. When their backs are against the wall, when they focus for whatever reason, they just don't focus except when they absolutely have to. I think they're going to win. I really do. I, I, I mean, I, Lord knows I'm always wrong, but I think they're going to come back and win. In the meantime, there's something I just want you to know. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. So, so an interesting thing has happened. One thing in my life has really changed, Bubba. So, you know, we're covering the basketball out there in L.A. And so the way we do it, we do the pregame show from our studio and then we walk into the arena. And those those two places are, are literally a 60 second walk apart. So we finish the show and then we walk in and we're there before tip. And when you walk in, I don't know if you've ever walked into a basketball arena with Stephen A. Smith, but it is it is it is is much like what it must have been like to walk anywhere with Elvis. (laughs) It's insane. And for the majority of the time that I've been with him, we walk in and people yell cowboys at him. People will just yell cowboy stuff at him. It's we're we're at a basketball game. But they're yelling stuff about the Cowboys. So can I tell you that this past week we're in LA, and I walk into the arena with Stephen A. And both nights, people are yelling Aaron Rodgers stuff at me, Aaron Rodgers. And I turned to Stace was with me for Game Four, and I turned and I said, "Have I been talking about Rodgers that much? Like like like? Have I? Is, is this is this something that I've been doing to the point that?" It has become like that, like has Rodgers become to me what Stephen A. and the Cowboys have become? Is it that, Bubba? Because I have not done that on purpose. Like This is just me, this is just my life. Have I talked about Aaron Rodgers that much? Yeah, I think you uh, maybe just crossed that line just ever so slightly. <laughs> I think you just just made it. You just happened to cross that line. Have I talked a lot about Rodgers? Has there been a lot of Aaron Rodgers talk on my shows?
3: Yeah, we did it for like three months straight or anything. But other than that, I can't recall. I
2: have to admit, I'm not making this up. This is not a bit. This is not me saying, oh, I'm trying to be funny. I thought I covered it the appropriate amount considering the magnitude of it. I thought I gave the appropriate amount I think we of did. to Aaron Rodgers. And now everyone is yelling it at me. I will be right back.
1: Thanks for listening to Greenie the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch greenie on get up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.